Good morning. Welcome. It's good to see everybody this morning. And I hope you got a bulletin as you were coming in. Uh, this morning we have just a couple announcements to make, and then uh, we'll continue on in worship. If you haven't had a chance to get a bulletin, please be sure to get one so that you can follow along with the readings and participate along with us. Uh, we know that several will be in and out, and we'll pray a little bit later for the many families who are traveling and, and finishing up their summers. Uh, but for those of you who are here, we have a few things we want to share with you. I'll let you read through the announcements that we have inside your bulletin on the last cover. Uh, but I do just want to reiterate, men, for those of you who have not received your books yet for the fall Bible study, um, next Sunday we hope to have all those in and ready to hand out so that you will have it in plenty of time. So uh, if you're still waiting on a book or, or if you get concerned, please let Scott know. But we have ordered some extras uh, to come in, and I, we, we should have enough men. But if you weren't planning on taking the Bible study and still want to, there's always room. Just let us know. It doesn't take but a day or two to get those books in, and we'll be glad to include you. Um, also, I want to announce it's not in here yet. We're in the process. I was called last week a little bit. I've been working with the women's team and the elders. Uh, there's been several people that said they would be interested in a women's in-person Bible study. Um, what the session is praying about is maybe on Wednesday nights while the men are doing a Bible study. We're only in the downstairs area on one side, but some of the women who would love to be in an in-person Bible study, we've uh, already had one person respond, and I know there's another involved in praying about it, but uh, ladies, if you are interested in an in-person Bible study on Wednesday, it would help us tremendously if you would make that known. Now listen, we're not asking you to choose between one study or the other. We're not asking you to pick one over another or Sunday morning. We just know that when the men meet during the week, there's been this discussion that it would be nice if the women had something as well that was back in person so that they could fellowship. And so please let Paula, let Renee, let me, if you're interested, we would really like to support that and get that going. Uh, and so uh, they called this past week and said they do have a person in mind. Uh, and I think there's another one they're praying for. So women, please let us know. We do want to support that ministry. We'd love to see that happen. But we don't want to form and fashion something if we're doing it for ourselves and there's not really a need that is really out there. And so, women, you know that. So please let us know if you're interested. And then also, uh, let me just quickly say, for the deacons who are here, if we, we don't have them all here, if I could have the deacons after service for just a few moments, um, I'd like to speak with the deacons uh, that are here. We can pass some things along, but it won't take long at all. I just need to speak with you guys for a few moments with all the stuff going on, and uh, then we'll be able to clarify that as well. And then uh, finally, I'm going to invite uh, one of our elders, Woody Waddell, to come up. Uh, the session has been diligently working with things through the time of transition, and he's on our session, and he's going to share with you this morning uh, some of our ideas as a session and pray with us. So uh, this is Woody. Good morning, everyone. As you can tell from Jerry's announcements, there's a lot going on. And the session has asked me to share with you a brief update on bringing some much-needed assistance to our ministries at Grace. First, let me say that the session has agreed to hire Zach Alexander as a part-time youth coordinator for the upcoming year. Zach expressed to us his desire to devote his time to our youth and hold no other side jobs while he finishes up at seminary. We were impressed at Zach's heart for the Lord and his commitment to developing himself 
as a servant of the church. So please, secondly, it's readily apparent that Jerry needs help. (laughs) You can take that as you want. Over four years ago, we as a church emerged from a period of prayerful discernment over the vision and future of grace. And the Lord brought us Jerry to lead us there. As we all know, Jerry is blessed with a passion for the Lord and a love for outreach that brings people to know and love God. How thankful we are that Jerry has these strengths, for we were plunged immediately into the challenges COVID brought us. Through Jerry, the Lord led us with Jerry's focus and determination and the strength of faith in our Lord of this congregation. And now we've emerged from this challenge, faithful to our Lord, a growing church that is debt free. Amen. We stand now entering a new season for our church. For this, the session is charged with discerning our path forward. Look around. The Lord has blessed us in many ways. The youth are growing in numbers. Jerry, I think you said 50 or so? Yeah, total. Yeah, 50. Our food ministry lines on a Saturday morning are enormous. We're growing our opportunities to study God's word. Our technology brings our word to untold numbers. We supply a resource for those who need mercy, and we offer a place for those who grieve. The music offerings have even grown to allow a bunch of ragtag men to be whipped into a choral group. You. But growth like this inevitably puts challenges on organization and communication. These challenges have been compounded by the departures of Nick and Phil, who helped us so well in this growth, but have moved on as they pursue their callings in ministry. As a session, we realize this has put more burdens on fewer people, and particularly Jerry. While we know we need to discern our future, the church needs help now. Jerry needs help. And wouldn't you know it, the Lord provides. Jerry has presented to the session the resume of an accomplished pastor, Dr. David Frierson, for the position as a temporary assistant pastor. And an assistant pastor is one the session can hire, not the associate pastor. Okay. David was, in fact, Jerry's mentor when he was in North Carolina and has continued to be a trusted and valued mentor um, and a resource throughout Jerry's ministry. That is, in fact, how he became aware of our situation and needs. David is 68 years old, a number that is near and dear to my heart, (laughs) and has had an over 40-year career in ministry with pastor and senior pastor experience that spans 22 years. It just so happens that David has finished his senior pastor position at Covenant Presbyterian Church in Greenville, Mississippi, and is now two years away from retirement. Jerry has told us, has told us this, and that uh, David is willing to serve us here for those two years, tops. It's a temporary position. Then he is off to South Carolina to focus on his grandchildren. Among his strengths, and he stated from his resume, a hardworking and reliable pastor focused on going above and beyond to support the team and serve others, motivated to continue to learn and grow as a leader and professional, and loves serving my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
He has changed my heart and made me a new person. He also adds that his wife has a history of service as a registered nurse. They have three married children and nine grandchildren. The skills he lists, team player and builder, leader, public speaker, networking, and love people, but love Jesus most of all. So, as a session, we feel we have two choices. Go through a lengthy process of finding and vetting an assistant pastor that will require training and probably be a year before feeling comfortable. Or bring in Dr. David Frierson, a man with 40 years of experience of church building, a man who Jerry can already trust. The session sees him as a man who can help meet the immediate need and administration of our church while allowing Jerry to focus on his gifts. And while at the same time, helping to keep Jerry and all our leaders in a healthy balance in their personal and ministry lives. Then beyond these immediate benefits, he can help lead the session and our church as we discern our way forward with the long-term uh, decisions of permanent staff additions, ministry development, and physical growth of our church. So the session has been in prayer over this. We're at a crossroads. We needed to discern our path. And we wanted to make sure the church was aware of where we are and be open to you about the process. We have not met him yet. Tomorrow we have a Zoom meeting with David and we will ask the many questions that we have and discern our heart and discern his heart. From there, we will pray to our Lord for a decision. But tomorrow we will have the opportunity to ask him many questions and, and seek God's guidance in the clarity of this is the path that he intends for us to go. And if you have any questions, please feel free to uh, you know, grab an elder to the side, ask questions, make sure your questions that may be on your heart that we want us to ask David. I've shared it with Nancy. She's got some questions for him that I've jotted down. And uh, so make sure you share that with us or call or whatever. We meet with him tomorrow at 7 on Zoom. And uh, his, if we want to spend another half hour, we can go into his lengthy resume, but we're not going to do that. And um, so I would ask you all to please join me in prayer for just a moment. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, how great you are that you have congregation can discern your will for our church. Please give us uh, the questions, the thoughts, um, the statements to share with uh, uh, Dr. Fierson, and Lord, just give us clarity of what your vision is for this church, where are we to go, the pathway we have, and make it really clear if this is the path that we are to follow or which way we go. So uh, we, we just raise all this um, just in the glory, to the glorification of you and your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I really don't need that much help. I mean... They are such a blessing. The session has done such a great job. Thank you, Woody, for all that. And as you would, as he says that, let me share together as we go forward. We've had the prayer, but let me read the meditation before I call us to worship. I've been focusing on the prayer as we're asking you to pray for us in all these uh, ministries and directions. Uh, we want you to be a part of that. I've been working through Ian Bounds on prayer, and he says this morning, faith grows by reading and meditating on the Word of God. Most and best of all, faith thrives in an atmosphere of prayer. And so we ask you to bathe us in prayer in the weeks and months ahead as the many decisions as we move forward um, so that we'll know 
uh, truly what it is God has for us. But if you would stand, if you're able, let me call us to worship from Psalm 34. I'll read the light print if you'll join in reading together the bold print. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Amen. You may be seated and take your bulletin as we continue confessing our faith and our sins and our opportunity to pray together. You'll see in the bulletin an opportunity as we've been working through the larger catechism of the Westminster Confession of Faith. And so I'll read the question if you'll join together with me as we read the answer. Why are those over us referred to as father and mother? The terms father and mother remind those in authority that like fathers and mothers, they are responsible for and should act in a loving and tender way, appropriately reflecting their particular relationship toward those under them, and those under them are also encouraged to accept their authority more willingly and cheerfully, as if they were their parents. Well, what is the general scope of the fifth commandment? In general, the fifth commandment outlines our obligations to others, depending upon our particular relationship to them, whether over, under, or equal to them. Well, what kind of honor is owed to those over us? Those over us deserve respect in our hearts, our words, and our actions. We must pray and give thanks for them, emulate their virtues and gifts, willingly heed and obey their lawful commands and advice, submit to their correction, be faithful to them, and defend and support their persons and authority as is appropriate to their rank and position. We must also tolerate their imperfections and infirmities and cover them with our love so that we will be an honor to them and to their authority. As we work through the catechism, it's such a blessing to go back and look up the opportunities as where we find all these in Scripture. But take a moment. Let me pray for our prayer requests. I'll invite you in just a moment to pray together with me the Lord's Prayer. We'll ask him to bless our offerings. But let's just take a moment and allow us to have a moment to bathe in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for inviting us not only to worship but to your family, that you are our Father. Lord, help us to develop that respect and that honor that we would look to you as our Father. Lord, I know we live in a world in which many homes have been distorted, changed, broken. And Lord, sometimes the picture of what it means to trust can be hard. But Father, if we use you as the picture of the family, you as our Father, we as your body, Lord, it's easier to trust. It's easier to see your faithfulness. We can see that you've never left us or forsaken us on anything. And so, Lord, we're able to come to you and pray this morning that you would be with our church family. Lord, we pray that you'll be with the so many who have gone through testings and procedures. We pray for those who are upcoming, uh, the facing of surgeries. Lord, we pray that you'll 
give strength to them and their families as they care for them. Lord, we pray for the ongoing treatments for those who are facing cancer, those who are facing illnesses, those who are overcoming sicknesses. Lord, we just pray that you would be in that so that as they find recovery, it's not just physically but spiritually, Lord, that they would learn through these times of trust in you, that not just shouting you from the mountaintops, but, Lord, trusting you in the valleys is what allows so many people to see you as our Father. Lord, I also pray here this morning that as we gather together to give back just a portion of what you've blessed us with, that, Lord, you would use it to further your kingdom. The Lord, you would provide the necessary means as the church goes forward so that we can provide the help. Lord, we are so thankful uh, for Zach. We're so thankful for Sarah. We're so thankful for Angela. We're so thankful for Christy. Lord, we're so thankful for the many people who you've given us. And yet, Lord, we realize there are those gifts that I don't have. And Lord, in humility, as you call me to pastor, Lord, Give us wisdom as a session to find those other gifts, to find those who are able to be able to supplement the needs of a congregation, to be able to see it grow in a healthy way and in a healthy manner. Lord, remind us as parents that there are youth, there are children. We sing the songs we choose to sing. Lord, we organize the service the way we want it. We do so many things for ourselves. Lord, at this time, help us do things for you. Help us to make decisions that will just glorify you in all things. And as we give back, Lord, use that money to do just that as we further your kingdom. And Lord, we know it's possible with your strength that we can serve. But we also know, Lord, that you'll accomplish your will just as you have done through Jesus Christ. And Lord, as he has spoken with you in prayer so many times, we come this morning praying together in that throne of grace as he taught us, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, I would like to ask our ushers if they would come forward and help take up our offering.
Pray with me while you're standing our congregational confession. Dear Father in heaven, we acknowledge and confess to you our sinful nature. We confess it so easy for us to do evil. We admit we seldom ever seek to do good. Please forgive all our shortcomings and offenses before you. You alone know how often we sin. You know how often our sin is intentional. Father, we confess we have wandered from your ways. We have wasted the gifts you have given to us. We confess, Father, we have many times forgotten your love. We confess our need to be ashamed and sorry for all the times we are displeasing to you. Forgive us, Father, and teach us to hate our errors. Cleanse us from our secret faults and forgive our sins for the sake of your dear Son. Amen. And as we pray, we know 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty we might become rich. This morning I pray that through his giving you'll receive and become wealthy in his sight. Amen. You may be seated. And thanks again to our music team and Janet as she fills in for us. Uh, it's always a blessing to be led. I pray as you turn to Mark chapter 4 that you're seeing the extreme pace in which Mark pushes us to the front of where Jesus is. And this morning is a very common parable that Mark gives us in his text as our understanding of a parable that can also be found in Matthew and Luke. It's amazing that the parable that we're speaking about today has been called everything from the parable of the soils to the parable of the seed uh, to the parable of the sower. And yet in every case, they're all right because those are the three main elements of this parable that I want to talk to you about this morning. And again, it is sandwiched as Mark has done. If the parable itself gives you two parts with the actual important part is the inside of it in the middle. But this morning, I take you, if you'll turn with me to Mark chapter 4 on a parable that is amazing because it is one that we are actually given a lot of the understanding on it to apply just from Jesus. One pastor said one time when he read the parable, he just wanted to stop right there. He said, why preach any further? You've already got what Jesus wants you to do. You might as well stop. And here's the reading from Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Bear with me as I read the 20 verse of the parable. He began to teach by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into the boat on the sea and sat down, and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables and was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he was sowing, some fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And when the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Another seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grew up, increased, they yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100 times as much. And he was saying, he who has an ear to hear, 
let him hear. Now we get this understanding in the midst of this. I'll let you do your research on it. Obviously, this is something Mark has inserted in the midst of a story, and it's done in a different context. They're now alone. This isn't the story on the boat. If you haven't caught that, Mark is inserting something just like we did last week as a sandwich. He has the parable. Then he inserts this other story that was taking place, and then he gives us the conclusion. But in the insert is what's so important. Listen to these words that Mark puts in here some which are not included in the others. It says, And as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve disciples, began asking him about these parables. And he was saying to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. For those who are outside, everything comes in parables, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand. Now catch this. Because if they did, they might return and it would be forgiven them. And so he said to them, and now here Mark picks back up the response of this story. Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the other parables, if not this one? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. And in a similar way, these are the ones sown with seed on the rocky places, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and yet have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution occurs because of the word, immediately they fall away, and others are the ones sown with the seed among the thorns. And these are the ones who have heard the word. But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of the wealth and the desires of other things have entered and choked the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones sown with seed on good soil. They hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30, 60, and a hundred times as much. And so all of a sudden we get the parable that I give you three things quickly this morning. I don't have to give tons of detail. There's a lot there. But I want to highlight a few of the important things about the parable that we get in this insert. That it is only for those who have the ability to hear. Now I'm not going to do a whole sermon on the sovereignty of God and how he changes our hearts and regeneration. But if you understand the parable in its completeness, you will see all these elements come to fruition. I hope to bring them out this morning as quickly as I can because there's over 60 parables that Jesus teaches in the Synoptic Gospels. Not John, but in the Synoptics. If you don't know what that means, it's to see together. If you never understood that, the Synoptics are the Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They are the Gospels that have the same stories and they see things together. That's the word synoptic. Together, they look at things. They're similar but we got these stories now, and they're most often about the kingdom of God. So be careful as we interpret the parable that we don't take it and turn it into a parable about you. It's the parable about the kingdom of God and his work. The kingdom is not impressed by anything you have to offer. Let me just say up front that if you think that the kingdom has been benefited because you're good soil on your own, you've missed the parable completely. You must begin to think again. Allegories can be understood from the outside. 
It doesn't take much to understand the story of the three little pigs. And we can use the allegory to use it in many, many applications along the way. But to interpret parables like that, and to try to understand the spiritual truths of the kingdom of God in a worldly understanding and to apply them in the ways that you think you should have totally misses discipleship. You cannot grow apart from Jesus Christ. You cannot bear fruit apart from a relationship with him. And if the mysteries of the kingdom have not been given to you, you'll never understand its working. And so he tells his disciples very clearly, if you can't understand this, you won't understand any more of them as well. And so all of a sudden we get the story to listen and to hear. Parables are not good advice. I want you to write this down in your mind and keep them. What helped me over the years was no different when I was told the same thing. Parables are not good advice. They're good news. They're the gospel. They're the kingdom. It's the preaching of Jesus. It's about his place in the kingdom of God. It's about what he's revealing to us about the kingdom of God. How can you grow as one who is a disciple? He's just chosen the 12. He's just healed. He's just made people well. He's just brought up the sick. He has just astounded the multitudes of people. And his very first parable comes into being about how is it that you and I can bear fruit? It does not happen apart from fellowship and intimacy with Christ. Here's what happens. He says at the very beginning, listen, verse 3, highlight that word, is the word here, akutine, is the same word in Hebrew that is related to Deuteronomy chapter 6 when he uses the same phrase, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. It is an imperative mood, which means it is a command. He's not just saying, hey, if any of you are out there and want to hear something special, listen to this story. That's not what he's saying. He's commanding them. I use the phrase carefully. Would you just shut up and listen? You must hear this or you'll never get this. We said it in the past weeks. Sometimes we're so busy when we come to God with so many things on our mind and our hearts. We come into his throne room with all these things that we want him to address. We have all these issues that we want him to fix, and we have all these circumstances we need help overcoming, and the entire time we're in the throne room, sometimes he just needs to say, behold, listen. Just be quiet and listen. If you miss this, you're not going to understand anything else. You've got to understand this if you're going to be fruitful for the king. I'll give you three parts. I'll run through them quickly. First of all, you must understand the sower. That's the first part of the parable, verses 3 through 7. The sower is the one who we are told it is Jesus Christ. He is the one. He actually is the word, is the seed. He is the revelation of the kingdom. And the sower must sow if you wish, unmethodically or unsparingly. Keep in mind, when the sower is out sowing, it's the same thing as you think of Jesus and his kingdom. He's giving us a picture of the life of Jesus Christ and how Jesus spread. Let me ask you this. When Jesus was preaching to the crowds, did he pick four or five and speak to them only? 
Or did he unsparingly just preach the good news? Did he not just reach out to heal whoever was in the crowds as they came? Did he not reach out to Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free? It was an unsparingly attempt when the kingdom of God entered into heaven in the form of Jesus Christ, and he unsparingly preached the gospel himself to a world. And when the sowers sow seed, we do so unsparingly. We live in a world today where I could honestly tell you it's challenging. 2 Timothy chapter 4, you all know it. You could turn there if you want to. 2 Timothy in chapter 4 begins by simply saying this. I exhort you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is the judge and living of the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and what? Out. And why must we sow the word this way? Correcting, rebuking, exhorting with great patience and instructions for a time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. I think Paul could see our day today. They're waiting to have their ears tickled and will accumulate for themselves their own teachers in accordance with their own desires. And they'll be led astray. Pray for our elders. I think we need youth leaders. I think we need different music. I think we need more space. I think our programs need changing. I think we need to have different times. I think we need to consolidate. I think we should expand. We should start new programs. We need more helpers. You'll be amazed living in a world of the people who want the things that tickle their ears. And should the church provide it? Oh, pray for our session. Because I can even tell you, and the session will tell you, as you earnestly pray for us, as we seek David Frierson and who he is, if it's not, we've said very clearly, even if it's not, I've sat down with my wife, even though we've been friends since I began in the PCA. Even David knows, and we've said, listen, even if it's not. For why should anybody receive something just because it tickles their ears? Something they desire. You see, all of a sudden, we're living in a word where the sower is telling us it's not just about the soils, the discipleship. This is about lordship. This is about the seed. This is about the kingdom. We're living in a world where everybody's trying to be disciples, but they're not following the Lord. Everybody wants to be serving in the kingdom, but nobody wants to be with the king. Everybody wants to be leading alongside of him, but doesn't want to be spending time with him. We're caught in a world where we're serving in the fancies of our own time our own schedules. If you had the opportunity this morning to rework your schedule, just how much of it would you eliminate so that you could spend more time with the king? Oh, I've heard the phrase many a times. When I retire, I'm going to spend so much more time with the Lord. And yet I've heard so many people tell me that when they retire, they're more busy now than what? When they weren't. 
because our schedules just fill with everything else when really we could say you have all the time you want to just spend with Jesus. And yet we live in a world where you can only take so much of Jesus. It gets boring after a while. You can only read the Bible so many times. You can only help so many people until you need a break. Maybe we just can't handle when the seed is sown. For the sower goes out, and as he's spreading all this, listen to the sower as he's spreading the gospel. Jesus, he's the sower. He's the one spreading the good news. The growth that takes place has nothing to do with the human activity. It has to do with the seed. Folks, dirt doesn't grow. Rocks don't grow. Trampled rock don't grow. Trampled dirt don't grow. None of that grows. The only thing that grows is what? The seed. Seed is given by who? By God. If you do not have what God has for you, you do not grow. You cannot make it on your own. Today, if I had it any other time that I could tell you as a pastor, if you do not have Jesus Christ, you are lost, bound for hell, except for his sovereign mercy. And if he doesn't open your ears and give you the ability to hear, and if he doesn't sow the seed into your heart that becomes good soil and able to understand, you will spend eternity apart from the Father in heaven. The sower makes it clear we should be sowing. God is at work in Jesus Christ. At first, it may seem futile. Think of this, because he's with his disciples. He's traveling around. They're already starting to persecute him, making plans on how to arrest him. And yet the parable simply says, the seed may seem to fall on futile places. But in a matter of time, it will bear what? A hundredfold. The kingdom of God will bear a hundredfold. In the sovereignty of God, it will take place. But it's not just about the sower. We can look at the soils real quick. It's amazing how many times the word is used. It picks up in verse 8. Let's move to the next phrase when it's not just about the sower, but about the soils. There's a big change here. I hope you'll understand that. If you have one of the Bibles that puts italicized words in for you, you see the change that takes place in the Greek structure here in this parable. If you're reading a paraphrased Bible, you may not see that. If you're in a literal translation, they've probably added those things to you. Why? Because we changed from a singular to a plural. We went from the seed that was planted beside the road, it would do things, to the seed that was grown on the rock and what it would do, to the seed that was in the weeds and what it would do, to now the seeds change in Greek to the others that have all grown on good soil. I'll explain in a minute. Because the soils are an amazing phrase that we get, verse 8. They fell into the good soil and they grew up and increased and yielded a crop and produced. They yielded a crop. In Greek, that's called the edidu karpon. It's an actual translation that just means they began to give fruit. And the only way to give fruit is to be able to mature and what? Bear more seeds. 
and to continue the reproduction. Discipleship is not about just what I receive and what I can do. The whole point of discipleship is are you training someone else to bear fruit? Are you yourself training others up that are doing what it is that Jesus has shown you to do? Folks, when you're raising your children, you should be raising children to be able to do what it is Jesus wants them to do, not just to serve what you want while they're in the home. Discipleship is about expanding the kingdom. Jesus sowed the seed. He put it out in all places. And I love how the phrase tells us it's the soils, the insiders that Jesus terms as good soil. And the seeds, the plural, folks, think about this. It wasn't just the good soil in one place. It was all the seeds, plural, that sprung up in good soil. It wasn't like Jesus just went out and threw some on the bad places and then picked one little patch and grew it, and miraculously these few little things became a hundredfold. What the Greek is saying is he threw stuff on the rocks, and he threw stuff in the weeds, and he threw stuff on the stony ground, and he threw stuff where it was tilled, if you wish. He, he threw it everywhere. And in all those places, plural, the seeds were able to produce a hundredfold. Oh, we're challenged in the Greek because we're not given the specific. We're just told they were the plural seeds that were raised up. Oh, how precious that soil may be when we begin to see an evidence of the work of God and why would he plant seed on places it wouldn't grow? Have you ever asked the question, why would he choose Judas if he was going to betray him? Why did he harden Pharaoh's heart when Pharaoh chose to rebel? You see, the scripture is full of some of our analogies that we get. Even in Isaiah, which is related to our parable, when God sends the prophets to the people who will not respond. You see, Mark has no problem here this morning balancing the divine sovereignty and the free will that God is ultimately in control, and yet we speak out in our choices. Do you remember in the book of Acts when he says, this man who God predestined, you crucified? You freely put him on the cross, yet you did it exactly according to whose plan. And yes, the amazing thing about the soil is that we all of a sudden realize that even when Jesus sent his son, or when God sent his son Jesus, he sent him to a world that many would not accept. And why would God give his only son to people who would not accept? Oh, this isn't about those people. You see, the parable here emphasizes that the sower, Jesus, the one who is sowing, is unsparingly reaching out his love, the ability to reach us all, to cover all sins, to do all things, to accomplish all tasks, yet many won't receive it. And the soils, when it falls, some on rocky places, weedy places, thorny places, and good places. Folks, it's not the person whose life has changed. It's the hearer. It's the one who somehow has been changed to bear the fruit. So where the seed is planted, it grows. In a moment, I'll tell you about the remarkable thing about that because Mark, unlike Matthew and Luke, is not just trying to understand discipleship. 
that if you're a good person and you're ready to receive it, your life can be different. Mark is more interested in lordship before discipleship. Have you even heard? Have you heard the gospel? Oh, you're not going to be changing your soils in your life if you haven't even heard the truth. Have you prayed, God, open the eyes of my heart? Soften the soil of my life? Yes, the soils are the place that it grows, but keep this in mind. We must first understand lordship before we ever move to discipleship. Stop asking people to live like Christians when they're not. That's the truth of it. If you don't raise your children in the admonition and instruction of the Lord and they're not submitted to the Lord in the covenants of his word and you're not bringing back that word that's sharper than a two-edged sword, then stop asking your children to live like Christians because they're not able to do that until the Lord what? Plants the seed. So sow, parents, sow. So during the ball games, so during the mechanics work, so during the floor cleaning, so during mowing the lawn, so during every time you get to use every opportunity to share the gospel because we don't know the soil. And it takes us to this place of the seed, which has come so important in verse 8 because it's the other seeds. Not just in one place, but believe it or not, the seed is so good that even in the rocky places where many of times they grow up and wither away, there's plural seeds that even bore fruit there. Oh, we're not told about all those seeds. We're just told that the one on rocky ground doesn't make it and the one on thorny ground doesn't make it. But that's not all the seeds. He reminds us in verse 8 that there were the other seeds Plural. And sometimes, folks, you know it as well as I do, you scatter seed everywhere you can and it grows in the places you least expect. I've told you this before, there's something demonic about growing grass. And if it's not in the seed, I know it's something in the mowers because they never work right. But I've told you before, sow the seed wherever you want it, folks. Nine times out of ten, you work the soil, till the soil, rake the soil, pretty the soil, buff the soil, watch the soil, and spend the night with the soil. And where does the seed grow? On the concrete, on the neighbor's yard, over in the driveway, in the cracks where you didn't have it, places it grew you didn't even know was sowed. And folks, that's the word of God. Don't you get it? If you'll just sow unsparingly, the seeds, plural, the seeds, not the seed, the seeds begin to grow. And yes, many of them will be choked out. Many of them are going to be trampled on. And many of them are going to be scorched. Because when it came to hearing the word, they took it at a glance. And they didn't take it seriously. And they didn't see the need for lordship. And discipleship is bearing fruit. And without Jesus Christ, you will never bear fruit. 
in this wonderful seed. So many times the word logos, the word here, aquine, Mark chooses to say, of all of these things, the seed produces a wonderful response. And here's Mark's words to those who listen, to those who actually listen to the word. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And the mystery is not that we don't understand the kingdom. It's that, folks, you've spent, some of you, 20 years sowing seed in your lives, and you still see no fruit. Some of you have had to sow on rocky places. Some of you have sown seed where all the thorns and the thistles and the weeds have grown up beside it. Some of you just simply threw it out in the sun because that's all you could do, and you've watched the seed do nothing. And you're ready to quit. You're ready to quit. And Mark 8 reminds us that the seeds, all those scattered seeds, is what produces a hundredfold. Because there are those that were on the outside that are now on the inside. There are those seeds in rocky places that grew. There are seeds amongst the weeds that grew. There are seeds even on trampled ground that grew. Oh, the reason I tell you this morning the seed is so good is in all these cases, the problem was never with the seed. Wherever it was sown, it started to grow. It may not have borne fruit, but it started to grow. And maybe here this morning, you're saying to yourself, Lord, I'm about to quit. I've sown and sown and sown. And it seems like it just falls on rocky soil. It seems like it just gets choked out every time. It seems like people just trample it out every time it gets started. There just doesn't seem to be any good soil. Well, I remind you the seed grew in every place it fell. The word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, and promises to never come back void. Brothers and sisters, Jesus said the mystery is not about understanding the kingdom, it's about hearing the gospel. Truly, Hearing the gospel. Hearing who Jesus is. And only in Mark, through the faith which he calls it, are those who recognize the Son of God and claim him. That's why even the demons believe. Because in the spiritual realm, they've already heard. And they know the truth. And yet, they'll never produce fruit. 
And yet now Jesus has been revealed from the heavens. And those who are in fellowship with Jesus are the ones who end up in discipleship with Jesus. Lordship first. Discipleship next. Seeds to be planted to eventually bear fruit. Oh, it's more than anything else to realize this dynamic teaching of discipleship. Mark will go on to tell us, we don't know when it's going to grow. We don't know how it's going to grow. And we don't know if it'll even start where it landed. But the one thing I can tell you is it grows. It grows. Our job is to sow seed, to sow seed unsparingly, and to sow it in as many places as we can. So my challenge to you this morning is listen to the sower. Follow the ways of the sower and go sow good seed. For at some point, those seeds will reap a bountiful harvest a hundredfold. Discipleship is bearing fruit. Fruit always bears the nature in the seed. In other words, the seed reflects the fruit. And if you've sown good seed, you'll soon see good fruit. So, so good seed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that as Mark even twists the words from one part of the parable to the next, Lord, in the first part, the seed is the word. In the second part, it's the people. Lord, it's amazing how he's able to see that lordship is what leads to discipleship, that the seed is what's found in us, that we're yours because you're in us. We're disciples because we're following you. Lord, forgive us when we have given up sowing, when we've tried to determine the places we think the seed should grow. Lord, forgive us when we've casted doubt on certain people, certain places, certain events. Father, strengthen and re Encourage us, reinvigorate our lives, Lord, that we find the passion in scattering the seed just as you did with your son. And Lord, as the seed is able to be raised up from trampled ground, let us be reminded that your son was raised from the grave in such a place. Amidst all odds, persecution, frustration, wickedness, and trials, the seed was raised from the dead and brought us life. Lord, I pray the seed we sow can be raised from the trampled, weeded, and hot, scorched grounds. And along with the good soils, let us see a fruit a hundredfold for your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
if you'd received the benediction. And now may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance toward you and give you peace. And all God's children said, amen. Have a great Lord.